You're listening to Intentional Optimists, the podcast for unconventional leaders, where you'll find inspiration, learn to discover and develop your own strengths, and hear from inspiring women just like you who are making a difference in their community. Who knows, you just might find yourself stepping up as the next unconventional leader right where you are. I'm your host, Andrea Johnson, the original Intentional Optimist. Welcome to episode 56 of the Intentional Optimist Unconventional Leaders Podcast. Today you're going to meet Catherine Canty. She spent over 20 years helping others get results at the expense of being on the road 60% of the time. Today, though, she's paying it forward by sharing her consolidated best practices and lessons learned in the framework she calls business vitality. One thing we can count on, change is constant, and for leaders and businesses to continue to remain vital, we must think differently. Catherine's a tenacious connector, you're going to hear all about this later, and a recovering banker. She's a certified Marshall Goldsmith Master Coach, and she works within organizations to spot the next level of leaders, helping them think differently, avoid burnout, tear down silos, and exceed their goals. Catherine is a wife and a mom and an unconventional leader. Sound like something you might be interested in? Stick around. Let's meet Catherine Canty. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I am excited to have this conversation. There are areas that we have very much in common, and then there are areas which we've like gone in very different directions. So I did give a a brief interview. I did give a brief introduction. (laughs) We're going to give a little more than a brief interview here. Um, But why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about you, how you arrived where you are as a leadership coach and consultant, and kind of what makes you a little more unconventional because you've come up with your own framework for, for working with businesses as well. Yes. So uh, thank you for asking. I started in banking as a teller 20 plus years ago and kind of grew up through the, the different ranks in a very non-traditional way within banking. And the opportunities that came to me over the past 20 years really allowed me to bridge communications between the front line and the boardroom. And there's a big difference, language barrier sometimes between Mm. what's going on at the front line and what's actually being strategized in the boardroom. And so I learned um, a lot about that. I learned about what the client needs are and what the backroom operational capabilities are and bridge those communication gaps as well. So when you hear that, you're probably not thinking that's a banker, but that that is what I spent 20 plus years doing. It's just kind of bridging those communication gaps and hearing people out and trying to translate what do they mean when the client says this? What do they mean when the operations center says they can only do this? Mm-hmm. And so um, bridging that and, and just listening to folks over the years has really helped me um, come across a lot of different experiences. And when I left corporate a few years ago, I began to realize, okay, how do you bottle this stuff up? And from that, um, you may have noticed the past few months, I've been talking about a process called the business vitality framework. And that's where I've put, you know, some of the best practices that I've learned from the most successful businesses Um, As you know, banking opens up lots of doors because people need money or they have money Mm -hmm. and and it's a great door opener. And so I was exposed to a lot. And from that created this business vitality framework and um, leadership is is definitely a big piece. You know, we have a lot of managers, but do we have leaders? And um, this is kind of my way of being able to pay it forward um, from here is to share all these best practices that we've we've been learning. 
I love your, um, I'm, it doesn't sound like a banker because I'm doing all this communication work. I was in the university system for 20 plus years and I found myself in a similar position where I had um, administrative staff with lab staff and doctors and research administration and regulatory, and we become translators, don't we? Yes. Yeah. And and it was so funny because people were so against a CRM system, a customer relationship manager system. They're just, they're, they their skin, their hair on their neck would come up. They're like, I don't want another CRM. And so I, I joked, I came in, I said, here's the Bob system. And they were like, Oh, now that sounds like it's going to solve my problems. And I'm like, guys, it's the same thing, but I didn't have the heart to tell them. So we just called it Bob and um, they signed up. I love it. My dad's name is Bob. We'll call it Bob. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> So on this podcast, we are basically talking to women and women leaders, and we have talked about the fact that you are a certified master coach. You also are a John Maxwell team member. Um, So when you do leadership training, executive coaching, you don't, you're not exclusive, you're business to business. So you're not exclusive with any gender, but I did notice that one of the things I had in my notes was that, um, and we can get into this later if you want, but one of the things I noticed was you said there's a real difference between sponsors and mentors and mentoring and, and helping women grow uh, for years through the university system. It's always find yourself a mentor, find yourself a mentor. And I have down that you said, find a sponsor instead. What's the difference? Yeah, it's a big difference. I'm glad you asked because um, there's so many times that we hear people talk about, you need to find a mentor. And I believe forget the mentor and you need to go find a sponsor or two who are going to have your back and the mentor, somebody that you're going to brainstorm with and be able to share experiences and and get recommendations on how to handle things. But the sponsor is the person who is going to say favorable things about you behind the closed doors. They're your advocate. They are the reason you get promoted, demoted, or stay stuck in the same position. If you don't have advocates for you or also known as sponsors, Mm. Um, you're going to feel stuck and that might be, you know, a sign that it's time to move on. And, um, sponsors are, are what allowed me to continue to grow the way I have within corporate. And then beyond that, it's just the folks that have your back when HR is doing their, their, um, strategy planning and and succession planning, Mm. who's, who's in the room supporting you. And it's not just in the business world, but it's in the community, um, the volunteer world, you know, you can be a member of of many clubs and organizations, but there is always that group of the executive leaders, um, or that, um, you know, committee of the president and maybe one or two people in that, in that group, they're nominating who's going to be next, who's going to be identified as the next leader. And those are your sponsors. So choose your sponsor very carefully. And I, I don't think you can have enough. That's really good. And, you know, a lot of times we think that mentors do those things for us, you know, and I love the definition of, because we want to grow more leaders, right? We, that's part of the, our mission, both of us, we want to grow leaders. Um, We want to make sure that the next level of leaders are, are equipped and trained and have what they need and are yet still pushed into those and recommended for those. And um, so if somebody's looking for um, it's, it sounds like it's actually good to have both, right? It's good mm-hmm. to have somebody that you can brainstorm with, that you can uh, get recommendations from and actually figure out certain things um, with you. But um, how, what is the things that you would look for when you're looking for the difference between a mentor and a sponsor? So I watch the guys do this in the world, the business yep. world, and mm-hmm. they do it really well. 
So here's a quick nugget. If you want a sponsor, be a sponsor. Mm. And so compliment other people on the work that they're doing because they're going to return that um, favor back to you. And I would notice after we would go on a number of sales, you know, opportunities, the guys would come back and say, oh man, Andrea, you hit it out of the park and this was just going great. And you could do X, Y, Z and you helped the client and we accomplished the goal. And they were bragging about that relationship that was going on in front of the CEO of the company. And so not only did it highlight Andrea, but it also highlighted the sponsor who was advocating all the great things that Andrea was doing. Hmm. So, you know, your sponsor could be right in front of you. Um, a lot of times when, when it comes to planning, people want to know how do you interact with other people within the community, within the organization, wherever you are a leader, it doesn't have to be necessarily in a business world. They want to know how well, you know, you play with others and, and you treat other people and um, just be aware that there are people watching all the time. And, you know, if you're kind right. to people, they're going to remember that and they're going to want to advocate for you. If, if that's something um, that you want to receive from them. And I think a lot of times women don't clearly share what it is that they want. They just mm -hmm. assume if they work hard that they're going to get noticed. And I continue to see this over and over again. Right. And some of the guys struggle with it too. They're like, but I've worked 80 hours a week. Why don't they notice? And people aren't designed to notice. So, um, you know, have the courage to speak up exactly what you would like and, um, be a sponsor before, you ask someone or, or be a sponsor before necessarily sponsoring, um, asking for that sponsorship in return. That's really good. sounds a little bit like the game survivor, but you got to have the social game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is something that in women's circles, a lot of times we call this more of a role model, but it, we role model what we want, right? We, as moms, we do that as teachers, we do that as women, we do that, but in corporate, there just seems to be this fear of women stepping up. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, we say, don't follow the guys. Right. But in this mm -hmm. instance, this just looks like a really good example to follow. It just, it sounds logical. It does. It sounds logical. And, you know, if you're thinking about it, think about across the organization or across the community, you want to think about not just somebody that is in your team or your immediate environment, but you need to have advocates and sponsors across. And I've learned in my past experience that I isolated my sponsors to within my team. So when advancements would come up, I wasn't necessarily being noticed or recognized for the work that I was doing because I was more within my team and I needed to have a global picture and think of having sponsors and getting lunches with people that were in HR and legal and um, executive management to be able to become recognized and have those casual conversations to mm. just kind of be at the top of mind when opportunities popped up. Yeah, that's really good. And um, one of the things you say in your bio is that you're a connector. And that yeah. sounds exactly like being a connector. That's networking. And um, so is that something that comes naturally to you? Or did you have to learn that skill? I see things kind of just coming together. And I don't, I guess that's just something that I've, I don't know, I suppose I've just leaned into it. And throughout my whole life. I just see people with like things and think that they should connect. And if it mm -hmm. works, it works. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Sure. Um, 
but I've just noticed I could probably connect the most random ideas together. And sometimes they don't always have to be alike, but when you play outside of your comfort zone, you know, there's some great opportunities that can come from it because nobody else is playing over there in your, in your space. And so growth can be exponential if you're taking a risk to kind of dabble in a place where nobody else has played before and, um, and be okay with that. So um, just connecting like people, or maybe they have similar hobbies, but they have two different jobs, um, but connect to them. Because when you put together these two, two similarities, something I think better can come out of it. You've got two different brains that, you know, find a, find right. something that they enjoy, but you know, through their different experiences, they could create something great. Yeah. We call that synergy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That fun. sounds really good. Um, I wanted to tap on a couple of other unique things that you do. I was very drawn to your broadband, bringing broadband to the rural communities, um, because this, I don't know that this was necessarily in your actual consulting work. This sounds like something that you did in response to what was happening in your community. And um so if you could, because I, I would love to tell the story, but I'd rather you do it. Um, okay. We've all, we're still kind of working our way through this pandemic where everybody was virtual for a long time. We were all locked down. Um, and you seem to respond to that in a little bit of a different way than many of us. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. So this happened before the pandemic and I was working for Farm Credit, which is a bank that supports rural communities for funding for agriculture and housing. And um, I went to a lunch and learn. So I tried something out of my comfort zone and went to go <laughs> learn about vertical assets, which are like water towers and grain bins. It's real estate that goes up into the air. And huh. some of that stuff can be sold off for telecommunications because instead of, you know, having a, a power pole, you can just put a satellite or, or device at the top of a grain bin. Oh, smart. Yeah. 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 So there's different scales of real estate. The top would be the most expensive. And then the next one down will be less expensive. And so it's, it, it was just really interesting. And I knew of all the communities that I visited, there's a lot of talent that are in these rural communities. They just don't have a lot of reliable broadband to be able to run the farm or to be able to run a business um, or to be able to share with the world what they have to offer. So um, afterwards, I, I went up and, and spoke with the presenter and said, I know that I have gaps in my community. Would you be willing to work with us to map this out? And um, kind of a, a, you know, we just stayed in touch and it wasn't any kind of rush or anything, but it was just kind of a casual conversation a couple months back um, or afterwards. He said, you know, here, here's a map. It's definitely needs to be dug in deeper. You've got some great opportunities here. And did you know that there's a 600, um, million dollar uh, federal grant option that's that's coming out and you guys could qualify for it for a portion of it. And um, I said, oh, that sounds interesting. So I pulled together a, a group of leaders in our community and very diverse um, anywhere from, you know, technical college to the medical universe or the medical um, suppliers that are here, um, education, workforce development, the, the politicians, all that good stuff came around a table. And I just asked this is oversimplifying it. Do we need reliable broadband for our future? It was the one question that they could all agree on. Mm. And that's all I needed to pursue it. And I reached out to the, te the only telecommunication provider that was eligible for the grant. I did not know they were going through a merger at the time. And, and they took a chance and said, yeah, we'll, we'll apply for it. And they had to hire a number of contractors just to get that ready. 
I worked with the community leaders to get the letters of support that we needed. So anytime you do a proposal like this, you're awarded points on, on all these different answers mm-hmm. and letters of support. So everybody really came together around the table. Um, we were able to get the mapping that we needed to for the grant. And, um, you know, we were one of the last applicants that were awarded. And in February of 2019, we were awarded $12.1 million in public and private funding that is resulting in 256 miles of fiber. We have up to five years to get it installed. I think they're coming in ahead of time. Probably it they should be done in the spring of next year. Um, so it's pretty exciting to be driving down these highways and you see the burrowing trucks of putting mm-hmm. the pipe under the ground and uh, to know that that's broadband that's coming out to all of our houses. It's pretty, it's exciting to get to see this because that it opens up exciting. more opportunities. Well, and so this, this is another point of similarity, at least for me, because I spent the last 10 years making sure that medical professionals and universities were able to submit federal grants. So I fully understand the, the sponsor letters and the commitment letters and all that goes into that. That's a big submission. Yeah. And um, so I think that's really exciting. And it also sounds like it kind of started just in time. So um, yeah. just just in time for things. And I know that as soon as you, when, when you get that fiber optic stuff laid, it really makes a difference in the community. And for us, you know, I have, I have friends just not far away from me that do not have that. So um, it does make a difference. Um, one of the things I do with all of my guests is I love to look at their development of a leader. Like I said, this is your story as a leader, and these are some amazing things that you've accomplished. So if we could, can we go back to what your earliest memory of being a leader might be? Um, it, it could be all the way back to your childhood, which I'm always surprised when they land there, but what would be your earliest leadership memory? I was 14 and I was a sophomore in high school and there was a large spirit club. And if anybody knows me, they know I'm not a, a cheerleader <laughs> spirit club type person. I grew up playing golf. Um, so <laughs> Um, they were looking for a president for this club of like 300 plus people. And it was like upperclassmen and, and not a whole lot of, of younger folks. And um, the table that I was sitting at decided, oh, you'd be great for that. Why don't you do it? And I was like, I'm not really that interested. But before you know it, you're just kind of thrown into it. And long story short, I ended up becoming president of that club. And I learned a lot about delegation mm. at a young age. And uh, a lot of folks like to give me a hard time because I love to put together kind of like a flow of how all this stuff's going to work and uh, flow charts and um, kind of organizational charts to kind of break down the three seasons that were happening within the school year and the sports that came with it. So even though I wasn't necessarily a a cheerleader, I was behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and encouraging other people to take ownership of certain sports and support them in the ways that felt right for them, whether it was a banner or whether it was candy bags or balloons or whatever it was, they really took ownership and, and ran with it and created amazing results. And so, um, that was one of my first memories of leadership and didn't really think anything of it, but, um, I knew I needed to to have the courage to be able to speak up in front of the crowd, which was really hard Mm -hmm. for an introvert. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of, managed to overcome that and empower other people and delegate to other people to really accomplish 
um, the end goal, which was to support the, um, the activities at the school. Well, and, you know, then we want to look at how has that affected and shaped your mindset today? And that's what you do now. You're a leadership, you empower other people. That's you. I mean, to me, it sounds like you're describing a little bit of what you do right now. Yeah. I was, um, just talking with somebody earlier before we jumped on this call and they're beginning to delegate more and more. And, you know, you start talking about other people and, you know, maybe that was a, a fall for somebody because they couldn't delegate enough for fear that they're giving up power. And I said, well, but isn't it ironic that the more you give up, the more opportunities that come your way, you make mm -hmm. space for this new challenge or new project to come in once you begin to let go mm. of what got you here. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in that mm -hmm. and you have to have the confidence and, and the courage to be able to let it go and, and give it to other people and support them and know they're doing the best they can and have their back. If they make a mistake, I think that's something that's really important. And then know that that little bit of space that you've created it's okay because something is going to come fill it in. There's going to be another project and it's going to be exciting for you. Just like mm -hmm. it's exciting for that person to be delegated out to. Sure. I mean, I just, I love, I love watching people light up when you give them something new to do or when yeah. you can figure out, wait, this is a person's strength, right? I could give them, it's not my strength. It's their strength. I could give it to them and they could really run with it. And then yeah. I just, then I have room to do something else, but you know, it's like water rises to the level that of whatever container it's in or spreads out to whatever that actual, yeah. you know, definition is. And I think that that's just really great. And um, being able to create space, it's one of the things I've learned for this season in as a new entrepreneur full-time, being able to say, I need a little space to create myself, right? I need it for time management and that kind of thing. Um, so was that the road, that was the time that, that specific year, your sophomore year of high school, it's kind of a big year, um, especially in, in the United States where we have big high schools. I was in a little tiny one and I was a cheerleader. So I was not only the cheerleader, but I was also in charge of spirit, but we only had 30 people in my senior class. So that was a little simpler. Um, was that when you kind of realized that experience, did that give you what you needed to say, you know what, I might like this leadership thing, or did it take a little while for you to pick that back up? Um, no, because when I went into college, I also put my name in the hat just to um, begin to take on leadership opportunities um, within our sorority. And, you know, half the time it was just me putting my name in the hat and seeing if it's going to connect and if it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine, because I knew something else was going to work out and just kind of trusting what's going on around us that, you know, maybe this is a good fit for me now, or maybe the universe might have something different for me right. that, that's unplanned. And so it did take me into college. I did throw my name in the hat for um, different offices and held a number of offices within my sorority. And then um, from there, you know, learned a lot of um, just different lessons on, on leadership and empowering other people and, and working that way. And then once I got out of school, I guess you could say, you know, it got back to leading yourself. You know, when you, when you get your first job, you got to be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. Right. And, um, kind of went back to ground zero again. And just like you do when you go into college, just like you do when you get your first job and uh, kind of reestablishing yourself, but, um, all that work starts with yourself first each time. And it's kind of like right now, you know, when you, when you go out and start your own business, 
it's yourself at first and mm-hmm. how do you manage yourself and motivate yourself and, um, and create those rewards that you need to keep showing up next, the next day and the next day. So, um, it's kind of a funny loop that we get to live in. I like the loop though. I mean, I'm one of those people that I like rhythms. I, and that's the word I usually use or cycles and, you know, being able to say, I I learned this spot and now I'm going to recalibrate and learn again and start and move. But each time we do that, it's not like the, it's not a hamster loop just for everybody listening Mm -hmm. for the listeners. It's not a hamster loop. It's not one that keeps going around in the same place. It is a moving it's like a wheel that actually is on the ground rather than on than in a cage. And we just keep moving forward as we do that. Right. Yeah. Whitney Johnson um, wrote disrupt yourself. And she talks a lot about the S curve and I can relate to that a lot. If you talk, if you think about kind of a stretched out S, mm-hmm. you know, you're at the bottom of your S curve and it's kind of slow and you're in your learning, but then you get to the sweet spot where you're climbing up the S And then you're about to plateau again. But before you plateau with your learning, you want to jump off of that S curve and jump onto the next. Hmm. So think of it as like a staircase of of S's and that's your growth and that's your journey. Um, That's your, you know, the, the cycle that, that we're all on. And so it's having the courage to be able to jump before you're ready to begin to learn something new. Yeah, that's really good. And that's the whole jump before you're ready. And it it probably will take a few of those S curves where you go down instead of jumping to the next one. You go, wait a minute, I should have (laughs) jumped. Yeah. We've all been there. I know. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, as you learn, it's, that's the whole business of, of growth and leadership and personal development as we figure out those, those points where we say, oh, you know what? Now I recognize it this time. Now I can mm-hmm. see it and I'm going to jump this time. Um, now let's talk a little bit more the theoretical leadership. And um, because I know that you are a John Maxwell team member and you are a master coach, a master certified coach with um, Marshall Goldsmith, Marshall Goldsmith. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you have in all of the, well, I'm sure you do because you're a leadership coach, but uh, a leadership principle that you live by kind of every day that helps you step into the roles that you've decided that you, you need to actually pursue. I think it's important to help other people first before helping yourself. And, you know, Zig Ziglar always said that if you help enough other people get what they want, you'll be able to get what you want. And um, I just think there's a lot of value there. Don't show up with whatever it is that you're trying to look at and try to accomplish. I think truly just be able to help other people pay it forward and know that um, when the time comes and you help somebody and, and it's your turn to receive, it'll come. And it may not come from the same person that you you gave to. Um, there's a lot of people that helped me get here um, that I probably can never repay. Um, they're mm. either retired or they're they're kind of at a different point in life, but I'm able to help the next generation of folks that are coming along. And so that's my way of paying back because those people were able to pay it back to me and uh, just leading with value and, and leading with helping others before helping yourself first, I think is important. I agree. And I think that's a really good leadership principle. And when we have that as a mindset, that kind of helps. Um, how do you draw personal boundaries to make sure that you're actually moving forward? Um, because a lot of women fall into the whole um, helping others and never taking care of themselves. Um, or oh, do yeah. you see that happen? Yeah, no, personally, I, I schedule time and I, I guard it as, as if it's the most valuable thing on my calendar, but there are, there are times when I just block the calendar and I can't take anything else. Um, I've also learned 
you know, what's my max number of appointments that I can do in a day and still be engaged the way I need to. Um, from a time management standpoint, I know that I need the mornings for that quiet, the, the clarity, time for the exercise, be able to take that reflection because I'm not going to be good for anybody else if I don't have that at the beginning of the day. So um, having that, those boundaries and the time frames, and realizing that we have as much time as we need on this planet mm-hmm. and stop thinking that I've got to get it all done today or it will never happen. It's okay mm-hmm. to have a two-week two month wait list. It's just part of this process that we're in. And uh, just know that you do have enough time. Well, especially when we're new, right? When we're new entrepreneurs and when we talk to women who are interested in moving from, and maybe we can talk about that just a little bit from, because you did this 20 years in corporate, moving Mm -hmm. from corporate into a consulting style space um, to make sure that you do figure out the best ways to to make sure you have what you need. Um, do you have a habit? Like I noticed you said your mornings are kind of protected and you establish your own boundaries. I block off time on my calendar as well. That's very common. Um, but is there another habit that kind of helps you live out this principle of making sure that you are meeting other people's needs? Uh, Cause it's also real easy to have great ideas mm-hmm. and not necessarily know whether or not the market needs them or know whether, you know, it's like, we need to make sure that the the things we're putting out there are things that people need, but um, do you have a habit that nurtures that healthy growth mindset and makes sure that you actually proceed with and live in your, your personal leadership principle? Habit. I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of clarity that comes to me when I can just take time to walk around the block and kind of get some air and just create space and that time I could be listening to podcast or music or whatever it is, but it just kind of gives me a mental break. So these other opportunities can kind of relive and, and kind of get shuffled out in my brain. So then I can communicate it a little bit clearer. And there's something about stepping away that creates clarity for me. And clarity comes at the most just random times. Um, but it, it happens usually when I'm not trying to think about the opportunity, it comes when I'm doing something else. So the irony there is to, you know, don't work quite so often because you need that space um, to let your brain kind of settle the ideas and, and the thoughts that are in there. So you can be able to help more people. I like that. And that I, I totally get it. It's like when people talk about getting the ideas in the shower or keeping a notebook by the bed and writing things down when they lay down to go to sleep, your brain finally says, oh, thank you for like slowing down. Now we're yeah. going to give you all these things that you need to write down. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And then taking the time to just step away, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all need to do that. And um, I mean, I have an Apple watch that tells me it's time to get up and stand. And my husband's yeah. a total rule follower. So what's funny is that a lot of times it's just on a schedule <laughs> and he yeah. has to get up and walk around like, what are you doing? He says, it's said to get up and stand. And <laughs> even that, you know, Brendan Burchard talks about 55 minutes, I think is the, the 50 or 55 minutes is the precise, most optimal time to like stay doing one thing. And then you need yeah. to get up and do something else and move your body and, and refresh everything. Um, so as we move into some of the more practical applications of, of the different things that we do, I want to really quick touch on your framework. I have a framework, so I totally get it. And I love, we were chatting right before we hit record about your framework that you touched on a little bit called business vitality. And if you could share with us um, just the key points from that and 
how it applies to the work that you do. Is it for just individuals or is it for teams and corporations? Share a little bit about how you came up with that framework and how you use it. Yes. So for the past 20 years, I've just had a lot of different experiences. I've seen a lot of methods used, um, best practices. And what I found is the most successful businesses tend to stick to these four four things. The first one is all about um, the strategy and the vision and the mindset. And they said it very clearly at the top. They know how to articulate it throughout the entire organization. From there, um, I like to say that we're going to create stronger leaders and stronger collaboration and tear down silos. And that's done through the leadership coaching piece and actually engaging stakeholders and members within the organization to, uh, to become stronger leaders with the help of, of their peers and stakeholders. And so those are kind of inward looking, looking at the strategy and looking at the leadership. And then we kind of transition to outward focused, which is all about understanding the client's struggles. And do we truly understand what it is that we're being hired to do? And if we can learn what that really, you know, subconscious cause is, that's causing these, these buyers, how do we get in front of potential buyers before they know that they need us? And so um, there's some methodology behind that, that allows you to really go deep into why are people buying from you? So then you can figure out how to target differently. Hmm. And then the last piece is all about communication and having clear call to actions. And a lot of times we tend to ramble on and and we need to simplify the message because people are so busy with everything that's happening with cell phones and emails and Slack channels. (laughs) If we can clarify the message, we're going to come out on top and uh, make it easier for them to be able to say yes. And this is what you, you walk into businesses with, right? Yes. Businesses, organizations, this is usually more of of a group um, dynamic and what I have found is it's more important to tailor whatever it is that the client needs. Um, I don't really do an out of the box type solution. I, I tend to listen to what the needs are, tweak it based on that. They may have one or two needs and we just focus on that. Um, some folks may have interest in all of it and we can, we can dig deeper, but I definitely don't want to push you know everything on, on one organization. It's just more about what needs do they have that they need to accomplish. Okay. Um, and you mentioned 20 plus years of experience and that was mostly in banking or was it all in banking? banking. Mm -hmm. Banking. Um, So as we talk to the women listening to this podcast, who are many of them probably looking for opportunities to do something new, to do something different. um, If clearly you stepped away from the corporate world and there was something that told you you needed to do that. We talk on this podcast about green flags, right? Because we're the intentional optimists. And many times in our lives, we look back and say, gosh, that was a red flag. I wish I had seen that. And I wish I had stopped. But as we, those of us who have like traveled certain roads, as we look back, surely there are green flags that we can see along the way that kind of pointed to this was the road I was going to travel, or I wish I had jumped from that top of that S curve sooner. Um, If there were women listening who said, you know what, I have 20 years of experience or I have 10 years of experience or I have unique experience and I want to make this jump or consider this jump and um, maybe even put together my own framework because I see what what um, the business that I'm in or the clients that I have are struggling with. What are some green flags they might look for um, to kind of travel that same road? Okay. So it, you can't just take the jump uh, without having some sort of savings or some sort of money um, that's going to keep you safe during this jump. 
So wherever you are right now, the next paycheck that you get, the next bonus, spot bonus, um, raise, that's a green flag and they see value in you. Take a little bit of that money and go celebrate and buy something that makes you happy, but put the rest of that in some sort of savings account. And in the beginning, you know, you're not going to have a lot to invest with, but when you compound this over time, it's going to help you create freedom and options for you to be able to take that leap. Um, every time I got a raise or a bonus, I'd spend a small portion, but the rest of it would always just go into one of those savings accounts. Um, and what that does is it gives you a peace of mind. So when you do, and and you're ready to make that jump, it's a little bit less scary because you've Mm. got something to lean on. And over the years, it, it truly does add up. It's really amazing. Um, just that compounding piece of, of, of money. Um, so once you have that, that peace of mind and truly you can start that right now, um, I, I can't emphasize it enough. And then I think one of my, it wasn't my favorite green flag at the time, but it's a green flag right now looking at it. Um, I was sitting around a room with uh, a group of leaders and they had some troubles that, you know, we're brainstorming through. And I, I said, you know, I've got an idea and they didn't want to hear it. And to me, that was a green flag. And it was a relief to know that I'm done here and Mm. it's time to move on. And I've done everything I can. And I've, I've come a really long way within an organization. I loved every minute. And now they gave me the green flag to say, it's okay, go get another job, go find Mm -hmm. something that makes you happy again. And as, as scary as that sounds, that opportunity turned into a green flag that opened up other doors that allowed me to have another great experience with a different company. Oh, that's really good. And I, I too can look back and see some of the things that we think are hard, right? Yeah. Um, especially for those of us who were in middle management, it's really because you have all the responsibility, but no authority. And it's yeah. really easy to look back and say, oh, they didn't give me that promotion or they didn't like, they asked for my ideas, literally that same kind of thing. They asked for my advice on all of this stuff. What are my thoughts? And then they just went, okay, thank you. And they wadded it up and threw it in the trash. (laughs) But they're good ideas. And I think that's a really, really good way to look at it. Um, So, and how many of us take that raise and just increase our expenses, right? Um, So I guess some of that comes from a banker background. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's really it's smart having that little squirrel account. You know, but my mom always made sure, you know, you, you make sure you have that account where you've got some cash in there when something pops up and stuff pops up and, and then you don't have that stress hanging over you. Um, but a lot of times it really does add up over the years. You would be pleasantly surprised um, that it does allow you, you know, nice options down the road. Yeah. And your mom was smart. Right. And how many, (laughs) too many times we just talk about our parents, you know, but it's like your mom was smart, but I loved your comment about that is that that tells you that they see value in you. Right. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's just really, really a good thing to remember. It's like, okay, I earned that or well, or maybe they saw value in you. That's really good. So that's a little bit of bridging kind of between green flag and advice. But if there was one piece of advice other than savings, um, Mm -hmm. that you would give someone that is kind of interested in moving into leadership, like you have done, what might that be? I think the easiest thing is, is go listen to some podcasts. So if they're listening to this podcast, Andrea, they're familiar with it. And I made a lot of connections with people who are podcast hosts and just listen to the show and 
sometimes periodically wrote to them and just shared my story with them and experience. And what you're doing is kind of creating a connection with somebody that you have interest in, Mm. that you have interest in within the industry. You may ask, you know, what are some best advice if I want to learn more about this particular topic of the podcast? Um, I've had some great relationships that came out of just reaching out to people and being vulnerable and sharing what my perspective is. And they connected with that and they responded and they supported me. You know, as a podcaster, we tell people every week, reach out to me. My email is at the bottom of the show notes. You can contact me on the DMs or whatever, um, any place that you are. I'm, I'm, you know, we're available, but people don't take advantage of that. The one thing that I would love to piggyback on that is even if it's, um, even if it's not podcasters, when you talk about looking for sponsors, connecting with people, you would be, Mm -hmm. I think people would be really shocked to find out how many um, of those that they admire, those that they look up to are happy to share. They're happy to invest in other people. They're happy to answer questions. And for you to say, go listen to podcasts, I think that's great. If that's what you did, I notice on yeah. your page, there's lots of podcasts where you've actually been a guest. And you know these are people who are constantly interviewing other people and talking about specific topics. Um, so that's a really good piece of advice. Um, the best place people can find you, I noticed, is your Facebook and LinkedIn. Is that correct? No, um, I'm not on Facebook, but I do have a, a website, KatherineCanty.com. Facebook? <laughs> That's okay. No, you're fine. Um, I've got that Catherine say your Canty. website, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm an oddball. I might be the only person in the universe not on Facebook. Hey, um, this is the week that Facebook went down. So when you're recording <laughs> this, so you are the, not the oddball. You're the smart one to not be on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I, I am on LinkedIn and you can find me there with my name, Catherine Canty. I'd be happy to connect and share information. I do have a uh, free resource page where I've got other articles and and podcast interviews that uh, folks were kind enough to interview me for. And that can be found at katherinecanty.com forward slash resources. And I have been on your website this morning. It's easy to navigate. It's easy to find. And, um, and it's, it's very user-friendly. So, um, but we will make sure that we post all of this at the, um, in the show notes. Is there anything that I didn't ask you today that, cause I love to ask questions. Um, but is there anything I didn't ask that you would like to share? I can't think of anything. You did a great job. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. We were thorough. Um, so the last piece, and um, oh, I did notice, I'm sorry, I am going to pop something else in there. It, I noticed a digital course. Yes, I, I did um, create a business to business, how to create influence, how to negotiate, um, how to drive change. And I just call it a B2B sales course, but truly it's pretty much everything I did while I was working on the broadband um, opportunity that we had. Ah. And I broke it down into a, a simple framework about um, how to identify the opportunities and create influence within an organization of any type that has a difference of opinion. So I think there's a lot of them out there. And, um, and then also just how to connect with people in a, in a proactive way. So yeah, there, there is a digital course out there as well. Well, this is another good example of how you took the experiences that you had and you said, you know what, I'm going to package this in a way that is helpful to other people. So that goes back to your principle and it teaches other people how to do that. 
Before we go, um, the one thing that I ask every guest before we leave, and it's always interesting to hear what their answers are, what is the one thing that you, Catherine, can always be optimistic about, even when other people think you're crazy? And it can be as profound or as silly as you like. I truly think anything is possible. I think we start out the day with whatever attitude we want to have. And so before you get out of bed, tell yourself, this is going to be a fantastic day. I'm alive. I'm breathing. Um, I've got a roof (laughs) over my head, you know, be grateful for the small things and just let that take you into the rest of the day. Um, I was told the, the broadband, the federal grant was going to be like catching a unicorn. So you know, it's, it's kind of like, I accept the challenge. All right. So we, we catch unicorns around here. And just because somebody says it can't be done, doesn't mean that it it won't be done. And sometimes you just have to get creative with it. So it all starts when your feet hit the ground, you choose how you want to respond to the day and embrace the, the small pieces of, of gratitude that are around you, that the alarm clock work, that the light switch turned on, Mm. you know, be grateful for all these small things because, we could take them for advantage and not realize that there's a lot of really good stuff that's going on in our lives every single day. Isn't there? And that's a really yeah. good place to, that's a really good place to land. And it's a really good word for us to have, um, especially here on intentional optimist, unconventional leaders podcast to remind ourselves that each day is a gift. Each day is a blessing and it is our choice what we do with it. Catherine, thank you so much. This has been delightful. And I am looking forward to, now we're connected on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to knowing you better and learning from you and kind of seeing where all of this goes. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you so much, Andrea. Y'all, I am more than just a little fascinated with an achievement like Catherine's $12.1 million deal, bringing broadband to her community. This is something needed all across our country, and it won't happen overnight, but it is a huge need in my own community as well. And I'm looking at an example of someone who just asked when presented with the opportunity to make a difference, and y'all, big things are possible. We just need to ask. And this falls right in line with Catherine's personal leadership principle, which is to help others first. For her, leading is about serving, and of course, we have seen this with so many of my guests, but let's specifically look at how intentional optimism shows up for Catherine. First, she's optimistic in her thinking of the future of her community, moving with plenty of confidence into leadership situations, even as an introvert. And a healthy dose of curiosity over what could happen with any given situation while freely sharing her expertise keeps her super present. And I'm always interested to see how energetic shows up for my guests and Catherine's relentless industrial pursuit, always looking for ways to make things better, is such a beautiful expression of this particular tenet. Catherine's ability to visualize filling that broadband gap in her community, then communicate that vision and advocate for it is a great example of courageous leadership. And the phrase, wiser words, comes to mind when Catherine revealed her one thing that she's optimistic about. Anything is possible. And yet she remains highly intentional in all that she does, working within her own purpose, creating plans, and moving forward. Catherine is unconventional in her leadership because her passion for helping others first is a reflection of her values of honoring others, serving, and leading, all which make her a fantastic role model. Seriously, we need to take note here. Her dedication to thinking different is a testament to her desire to constantly grow. Remember, unconventional leaders lead at every level, in any area, using their unique gifts. 
I had some pretty big takeaways from this conversation, but the biggest one for me is the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. I've always been told and passed this same message along to other women to find a mentor. So finding a sponsor is truly something new to me. Is it new to you? If so, let me recap really quick. Mentors are those you brainstorm with. They listen, encourage, and teach you. They're likely ahead of you in the game by at least a little, many times a lot, but they aren't necessarily the ones that are going to help you get that raise or the next promotion or even land that big client deal. Sponsors, on the other hand, are your own personal promotion team. They have your back behind closed doors. They're the ones talking you up in front of your boss, the vice president, or that really desirable client. Sponsors believe in you, promote you, talk you up, and advocate for you. Here's the interesting thing. I've had both, and I've been both. Some of my sponsors, I never asked to be sponsors, but they took it upon themselves to do it and became what I actually called my cheerleaders. But I've been both for others as well, and I think we all need both, but many of us only look for the mentor and not the sponsor. So we need to shift how we think in this area, especially as women. I think that we're afraid to do that sometimes because we don't want to, quote, toot our own horns. But here's the nice thing. Sponsors toot our horns for us. (laughs) Now, here are a few ways she offered to think differently about your career path or trajectory, how to build it, and even to know when it's time to make a pivot. First, the best way to find a sponsor is to be a sponsor. This reminds me of my mom who always responded to my whining about not having enough friends was, Andrea, to have a friend, you must be a friend. So while this might sound like age-old traditional wisdom, putting it into practice might take some effort. She gave some great examples of how men will come back from sales calls or a client meeting and then literally talk each other up in front of the boss. So when was the last time you did this, literally giving away the praise to your contemporaries or even your competitors? I get to do that professionally on this podcast, but in person and in our own lives, it's truly a selfless act. But the reality is, it's an example of servant leadership and will always, eventually, produce dividends. All right, number two, reframe some of your circumstances. She offered both positive and negative examples of this. On the positive side, look at every raise, promotion, or if you're an entrepreneur, each new sale or client as a vote for you as a leader in your area. And this is a big deal. Many times we don't do our own celebrations, right? Um, We call it success amnesia. We forget what we've done. But on the negative side, she gave a really good example of offering a great viable solution to the rest of the team only to be dismissed or shut down. And she decided to take this as permission to be finished, not mind you leaving in a huff over some perceived disrespect, but to believe in herself and her vision enough to say, hey, you know what? I got this. And it doesn't actually have to happen here. I think that's a really good reframe. Because most of us don't take that negative response as a way to actually do something positive for our own career. And the third piece, the third way to help us think differently is make sure that you prepare and care for yourself throughout the journey. She gave some great examples for own habits that are simple and yet really practical. First, save money. You know, I wish someone had said this to me at 25 exactly what she said. Every time you get a raise, if you can just put that in some sort of savings, you're going to be way better off down the road. 
It would have made such a difference for me. And I'm sure I heard things like this throughout the years, but it never quite cracked through my tough shell (laughs) or my hard head or whatever you want to call it. And if this is something that you can do, it will give you so much more freedom to decide what you want to do when you need to do it. Like perhaps you get that negative feedback and realize, oh, it's time for me to go. You've already got savings and you're ready to do so. Next, protect the most productive time of your day. Morning, afternoon, evening, everybody's different, but Catherine and I both tend to keep the morning as our most protected time. Find the block in your day that, when you protect it, makes everything else operate more smoothly. And finally, give your brain a little space for creativity. If it's getting up and walking around the office, house, or block once an hour, or building in 15 minutes between appointments, our minds need space to breathe, just like everything else. I find this especially true in the entrepreneur world, where it's so easy to get caught up in doing, 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 knowing that I am the one person that produces and makes everything happen in my business. But I'm learning to do this exact thing of blocking off time. Now, to learn more about Catherine and how she works with her clients, you can find her most easily on her website or LinkedIn, and we've listed them for you in the show notes. But what about you? How do you need to think differently today? Do you need to find yourself a sponsor? Do you need to reframe your circumstances? Or maybe you need to start protecting your time and give yourself a little space. Snap a screenshot of where you're listening to this episode and tag me when you comment on how this episode has helped you reframe or make a decision. I cannot wait to cheer you on. I am excited to hear how this is going to help you. Either way, my friend, Your future is in your hands. You can find mentors that will help you brainstorm, sponsors that will help promote you, and you can take charge no matter what, because you are a leader. Never doubt it. Don't forget you can connect to other intentional optimists in our Facebook community, or if you're not on the socials, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Optimistic Living. It's a great stuff delivered straight to your inbox. Just click the link in the notes. I'm so glad you shared this time with me today. If you have found the message of this podcast to be uplifting and helpful, follow us or subscribe depending on the platform where you listen. And then I'd love it if you would just take a moment and leave a rating and review, preferably a five star. Just doing that will boost us on that particular platform and help even more women find us and get the intentional optimism they need. Now, if you love what we do, but you're not necessarily interested in being a client and you would like to support us directly, you can buy us a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Andrea Johnson, or click the link at the bottom of the show notes. Your support will enable us to serve more efficiently and effectively. Remember, unconventional leaders lead at every level in any area using their unique gifts. And you, my friend, are an unconventional leader. You are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you're an intentional optimist and you love this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review with a five-star rating. You can also snap a screenshot right where you're listening, share it to social media, and tag me. This helps others find us and will have an even bigger impact. If you're curious what it would be like to work more closely with me or just to step up as an unconventional leader yourself, I invite you to schedule a free discovery session to talk with me and learn more. Just email me at andrea at theintentionaloptimist.com. If you're looking for an encouraging and uplifting community on Facebook, hop on over and join the Intentional Optimist group, women encouraging women from all over the globe. The community and email links are right here in the show description wherever you listen to the podcast. Until next time, remember, you're the answer. 
you are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations.